What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Frame Skip Podcast. This is episode number 47, and I am joined today by George Cam Newton Loftus. George, what's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. It might be time to uh, retire that name. It looks like Cam Newton's tenure in New England has come to an end. I oh, see yeah. I see they're looking at Marcus Mariota as a as like a bridge quarterback until I could figure something out in like a draft or like a, a longer term deal with someone on a rookie contract. Um, I had fun the first like month of the Cam Newton era and then it was uh, less fun. But I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think COVID really messed him up because he looked amazing before he got COVID. And then he like couldn't complete a pass over 10 yards after he got COVID. And seeing some of my favorite basketball players recover from having COVID, I totally believe that's a thing. Um, so it might You're be saying a lot of words right now that are not registering. Oh, sorry. I, I, I like sports. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, no, you're fine. <laughs> the only sport I follow is uh, UFC. And there was a really interesting UFC prospect called Cody Carbrandt. And he was lined up to fight for a championship and he caught COVID and he got brain fog really bad, I guess. Oh, no. And like he couldn't think. And the way he explained it was. Typically, when you're searching for like a thought or a memory, it's like a filing cabinet, right? Your brain like searches through. Mm-hmm. He he explained he went on the Joe Rogan podcast and was explaining. He's like, it's like the it's like the cabinet's not there anymore. Damn. That's... And you have to just like look around the house for this file. And then like, that's really, it was kind of scary. Yeah, that's not, that's not what you want at all. Um, no. Well, it's, it was super scary, man. Like, um, I, I'm just trying to imagine like the, this generation of like college athletes who are like kind of forced to play. And like, I understand like they'd be at odds of like losing their scholarship. But like, I feel like they were still kind of like pressured into playing in like less than stellar environments like this past year. Yeah. But it's just like how many of them got COVID? How many like future great athletes would we have had if they hadn't contracted COVID? Cause they were like basically contractually obligated to play in unsafe environments. And it like that, yeah. and that's like such like so far from like the most important thoughts about COVID. Cause like obviously like over 500,000 people have died. It's terrible. Um, like there's just so many bad things about COVID, but just thinking like, oh man, what if we were about to get someone who could like, you know, break the world sprinting record, you know? Well, yeah, I think it's all important. I mean, there's always like that butterfly effect thing, right? Like how many, I I think another interesting thought about this is like high school seniors. Seniors like, 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 like football seniors. That's when you get your scholarships and stuff. So like, what do they do? You know, what do colleges do to get a new generation of kids this year? Cause like most, most of the schools in the country didn't play football. Right. So what, what was as a, as a, as a senior, how do you end up getting a scholarship for football next year for like Penn State or wherever Iowa? I'm I'm actually interested in that. Now I'm I might have to look into that. Yeah, no, I'm interested in that too, especially cuz like now what we know about COVID is about like how much safer it is for outdoor activities than indoor activities. And like no offense, yeah. no offense to football, but it's like man, that game is like a whole bunch of short bursts of like super intense action and then just kind of like waiting to see if that intense action w- it was like <laughs> legal or not um you know just True. In, term- in terms of the rules so like i don't know like i i think yeah, there could have been measures put in place to like make outdoor sports at least like a safe thing you know and like there's no reason to like cancel tennis programs across the country because like i don't know yeah. it's, it's like two or you know at most four players playing across from each other like they're more than six feet away from each other at all times anyway and like 
tennis would be annoying to play with a mask, but like, I think you could get by with like a face shield, like in football anyway. You know, my favorite sports story of all time is, do you remember a couple years ago when Russia got busted for like doping all of their athletes in the Olympics? Oh yeah. That was like right before Sochi, right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and it came out that they were even doping like their shuffleboard athletes. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, and like I remember, um, there's this famous fighter, probably the greatest MMA lightweight of all time. His name's Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he commented on the one post, and all he wrote was "bull," <laughs> 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 it was "bull <laughs> politics." And it was just because like, <laughs> he's Russian, you know. It was just it was really funny because they were even doping up their shuffleboard players. It's like you know what would make this person really good at shuffleboard if you couldn't see their neck because their yeah. shoulders were so big. The juice, the juice would make shuffleboard <laughs> yeah. incredible. Um, how has that not been a Will Ferrell movie yet? Oh right? my god, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I love Will Ferrell, man. Will Ferrell, in my opinion, like the, there was those were the golden years of comedy, like with, with Anchorman and. Uh, yeah, dude, uh, I, I I'm in a Facebook like right? I'm in a Facebook movie group, and I like it. Like I, I like most of the people in it. I think a lot of them are kind of like elitist and they're just like oh i watched this like really really obscure russian silent film from 1956 oh you haven't seen it and like there's people like that who i just like completely ignore but i was i was i i had a few adult beverages back in like january or december and um i was like watching anchorman i just posted i'm like is anchorman the godfather of comedies like when you look at like all the movies that sort of like were able to be made because Godfather existed. And there was like this language of like what kind of movie you wanted to make. And you could like compare, Oh, it's going to be like these aspects, like these familial themes. And like the movie doesn't have to be big. It could just be small and intimate, but like have grandeur at the same time. Like just like having that language available to you because the Godfather exists. And then just like looking at everything that's come out because of Anchorman. That was a sort of like the Judd Apatow comedies. That was like Will Ferrell's transition really from, SNL star to like comedy mega star and like I understand that like yeah Night at the Roxbury was a thing no one really likes Night at the Roxbury comparatively to like Step Brothers or Semi Pro or and like any of those other like five star comedy movies right I think I think you're onto something there because I think a lot of people would say the Adam Sandler Happy Happy Madison movies but I actually feel like the happy madison movies were a product of the 80s yeah and they were like they were like the end of that era whereas the will ferrell movies what was what came first what did old school come before anchorman that's a great question because I, I think anchorman was 2004 old school might have been 2003 no old school i'm looking at right now 2003 and then anchorman yeah I don't know. There's definitely like, like, cause like Zoolander came out in 2001 too. And that's kind of, that kind of follows that same formula. It's like a, a middle area. I don't know. That's a good, that's a, that's a good. We might that, have to, we might have to do a spinoff podcast, like a, a yeah. little, little one-off talking about this. Cause, cause like, Will Ferrell's I, like filmography goes old school elf and then Anchorman. He was like, he was an elf before Anchorman. I didn't realize that. That's pretty insane to me. Um, and like I love old school. Like I think old school is great. And that's like Todd, oh, yeah. Todd Phillips who would like later direct Joker. You know, like I still can't believe it's the same person. Yeah. But uh like he's not even the star of that movie. Like he's the best part of that movie. No offense yeah. to uh, to Vince Vaughn. But like Luke Wilson's like the main character in that movie because it was the early 2000s and we had to, you know, give him rent money basically as an audience. 
the godfather I, of the I, golden I, era of comedy. I wonder what that is. I feel bad for saying that. I actually really like Luke Wilson. Um, but like, yeah, but Will Ferrell wasn't even the lead in that movie, which is insane. It's insane. But he is so perfect in that movie. And then when he sticks just... himself with a dart. The dart in the neck is like the best part. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's not just him, though. Like, I mean, Anchorman got Steve Carell the office or I guess mm-hmm. got him 40 year old virgin, which got the office or like flip yep. that maybe, but like that set up like that career, like, you know, in like a post Bruce almighty and like daily show universe. And then yep. like Paul Rudd, like was in a bunch of stuff. Like he was in like clueless, which was like the biggest movie of like 1995 for like teenagers. And he was also in like wet, hot American summer, which is like a cult classic comedy, but it was also yep. severely under the radar compared to like anything else. And then like that sort of like made him like a household name. And then Dave Cockner, I don't really love his brand of comedy. He's just like a little bit too abrasive for me, but like the dude has like had a unassailable career. Like he's just like the perfect, that guy in so many movies when like you see him, you're just like, Oh damn, that guy. Yeah. Um, well, because like you, you can make an argument that Will Ferrell may have made a pact with the devil in the mid two thousands. Cause like he made, he was an old, like, like let me just list off these bangers that i was i was um filmography up right now right yeah old school elf anchorman starsky and hutch wedding crashers um stranger than fiction talladega nights blades of glory semi-pro stepbrothers land of the lost the other guys and everything must go and that that was the end of 2010 like that is a that is a serious seven years <laughs> yeah i saw all of those in theaters except for everything must go because i was like right after the housing crisis and i'm like well this yeah. looks depressing as hell yeah like, this, this isn't my my king will ferrell um no the god the, it, it's just, he, he was throwing like 98 mile per hour fastballs for like 10 years like that, that's incredible yeah. you know <laughs> it is man like i'm pretty convinced will ferrell doesn't have a soul anymore because he sold it to, to satan himself yeah, but then he does like that weird like Netflix song or movie about like Eurovision. You're like, God, he's still got it. Like he's yeah. absolutely still got it. Oh my God, there's that Netflix movie um, between two ferns. The movie, did you see that? I have not yet. No, dude, he plays himself in that movie, and he has uh, the greatest scenes. He dead gets out of a limo with a cavalry saber on his hip and steps on a Segway and drives like twenty feet up to um. Uh, Zach Galifianakis in that movie because he's he owns um, Funny or Die. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he owns Funny or Die, and that's that's where Between Two Ferns started. Is owned right? by yeah. yeah. So he's like he's like Zach Galifianakis' <laughs> boss. It's like a, it's like an awesome scene, but I suppose we should probably talk about video games at some point. Huh? Yeah, man. Oh, so yeah, it's just the two, <laughs> it's just the two of us. If you haven't noticed, and um, yeah. Seth and I really like video games, but we really like other stuff too. And we just yep. want, thanks for letting us dork out. And probably more, you know, probably George, more on that later. Yeah, <laughs> you're 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 a pretty cool guy. So yeah, we we, we I, I suppose we, we can talk about some other stuff once in a while. Yeah. But what have you been playing anything this week? Anything significant? I've been playing a little bit of something. So the Pokemon Direct happened last week, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But it really just got me excited for Pokemon. And one thing I've been mm-hmm. doing lately is I've been going on eBay, and I've been purchasing like official carts, or I guess not official. But like Pokemon ROM hacks placed into carts. So I've been playing this one called Pokemon Orange, which is a remake of, I think, Pokemon Blue. And it was basically just set up so it's supposed to be themed like the Orange Islands from the, the TV show, like that second season of the of the anime. 
Mm-hmm. And that game is just not like that is just such a bad ROM hack. And I've usually oh, really? like, yeah. Why it is, is it bad? It's just not very well thought out. It's not super clear. Like it made me really reflect on how good of like a built-in tutorial there was in Pokemon Red and Blue without you even realizing it. Mm. Like all, all your options are exhausted. You can't find Professor Oak anywhere in the beginning of the game in in Red and Blue. Sorry. And so you're like, well, I guess he's up here. And then you start walking and then he shows you how to catch a Pokemon. And then by the time you yeah. get to like the Mart where you're like, oh, I can buy Pokeballs and finally start doing things. You get a package and then you have to like bring it back. And like that exposes you to more battles. Like it was just like a really sort of intelligently designed thing. And this just takes a whole bunch of assets from Red and Blue and tries to make a new game. And I can't imagine how hard that is. Like I've been looking into how to actually make a ROM hack is like part of me just wants to take this. There's a whole bunch of like typos and like the story itself doesn't really make sense. I understand like what they're trying to do, but it's just like technically like a poorly made ROM hack. So I'm assuming it's like an incredibly early one, but I've also, I've ordered like three or four more, not by this same person. Um, The, the most amazing thing about Pokemon red and blue, and I guess yellow probably as well is that, those games it's like a miracle those games work at all because they are so yeah. close to breaking at any specific time when you look at like the bug list and whatnot and you look at why these things happen with the bugs and, and the glitches that people use to like exploit them and why they happen it's like incredible that those games work at all and they were just winging it back then and they, they came across something incredible i'm really glad you said that because I've been thinking about it from the Pokemon Direct, and it's like those games were like hands down the most like some of the most impressive games to have ever happened on the Game Boy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially silver, like just the amount and gold, like the amount of stuff they just packed into that for the original Game Boy. Yeah, it's amazing. Astonishing. And I think that's what bones me out, because that made me want to go check out Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I my biggest problems with Pokemon Sword and Shield just like I only played like a couple hours of it. I was just messing around is I just don't like the presentation of it. Like, I think I like the emphasis on battles and like the good natureness of the battles, I guess, but it's just like the design aesthetics where like every time you show Mm -hmm. up to like a new gym, you have to like basically throw on like a Jersey. And it's just like, got like all these like crazy sponsor stuff, like a, like a soccer player's Jersey. And it's just stuff like that. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like, I just think that's like a little dumb and like probably won't age particularly well, like just years down the road. It, in my memory, I can't think of a worse received Pokemon game than Sword and Shield. I mean, the, those games came out. There's a lot of controversy about them, you know, not just from the graphics, but also it, the graphics and the animations, but also like the, the fact that they cut Pokemon only to add them in later as DLC. And it's like, man, sure. I don't know. But I've said this forever. I've always said this. I do not think Game Freak has the chops to give you the Pokemon game that you want. I, I just, I don't think they have it in them. They've never made something of that high value or that high quality. And they've been, they've been kind of doing the same thing since, you know, they, they made their first Pokemon game. They had like one spinoff, like weird elephant game, but they pretty much just made Pokemon. Right. And what I would really like to see them do, I know this is like a, like a, like a impossible thing for anyone to even fathom is to just take like four or five years off. Just disappear for a little bit and make the next Pokemon generation just such a banger because I think them releasing a new Pokemon game like every year 
it's just a little bit it's a little bit much you know and it's it's been a little bit much for me ever since like x and y came out because i loved x and y and i played a ton of them and then sun and moon came out and i was like okay like i'm not really into this and then i played ultra sun and ultra moon i thought i had fun with it but at the same time like it never recaptured that magic mm-hmm. and then i played sword and shield and i was just so disappointed man because Sword and Shield was the first Pokemon game we really had on uh, home console, right? Which is a Switch. Yeah. And what they actually did, and people proved this, is they just took a lot of the animations and models from the 3DS games and copied them into Sword and Shield. Like, the trees and like even a lot of the Pokemon are the exact same models that were in the 3DS games. That's why a lot of them look so bad. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's a really underwhelming game, but like that was kind of... I think the weirdest thing is just like those games used to like break the systems they were on because they were just mm-hmm. so fully packed with features like gold and silver and like Emerald. It's insane that there's like a real time clock running. There's some Pokemon that you can only catch on certain days at certain times. There's like a calendar yeah. that's running in the game. There's a, a, a like a cave you can go to and only for listening to the radio on a certain day at a certain time will like certain Pokemon appear like that's just like wild. And I feel like they just got less ambitious the bigger they got. And this isn't the NBA. Like they're not operating under a salary cap, you know, like they they have the money to like improve their weaknesses. And I guess like, I, like I want to say Pokemon go is like really impressive, but it's like, it's not man. It's, it's kind of just like a copy and paste of uh what was that? Niantic game. Like, uh, I forget. It was, yeah. It's pretty much a copy in, and paste inverse. of Niantic's previous game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, inverse i think is like what it's called or yeah something like that i, I had a neighbor who was obsessed with it in los angeles i don't really remember it um it had a Pokemon coat of paint over that game is essentially what it was yeah and so like even that like oh it's really cool that like oh we made a game about walking like i'm, I'm not knocking that i think like the premise behind pokemon go is great but like again it's just like you guys used to be like cutting edge with your design Mm-hmm. And, and the things you were able to pack onto a cart and like they the past couple ones have felt a little phoned in that said like i love the vibes from the games like let's go pikachu i i was just oh this was such a relaxing pokemon game yeah be- i mean because i played red and blue so many times it was nice to just like do like a casual run through it where i didn't have to like grind for hours you know like that was awesome um yeah and i love the vibe in sun and moon because it was just like oh we don't do gyms here i'm like that's great that's, that's See, I super, hated that. Super, I really uh, hated that. The, the, the coolest thing for Sun and Moon for me, though, was like the dimensional travel and being able to catch legendaries that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Because you can you yeah. can catch for, I think, like almost any legendary through their dimensional travel, like the wormholes. Right. And you you never know what's going to be on the other side of that. And it's really, really cool. I agree that that's super cool. But like for me, uh, the thing I think I like most about Pokemon is like the collecting aspect. Like I, I don't I could take or leave the battling. Uh, like I personally just like the stamp collection I'm building of of these little critters. And so uh, the the story sort of loses it for me, the more like galactic it gets, you know, like yeah. the more cosmic where it's just like you're some prepubescent kid who like leaves home and you meet God like on the side of the road like that. like It kind of loses me a little bit. And that's like one thing I like so much about uh, Gen 1 and Gen 2 is just because it felt a little more grounded, I guess. Yeah, um, Gen 1 and Gen 2 are definitely my favorites as well. Because, like, in Gen 3, Gen 3 lost me. I really didn't like the new Pokemon they added in Gen 3. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like the, oh, what was it? What's Gen 3? Sinnoh? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Sinnoh is, uh, like, Platinum, Four. Pearl, and Diamond, yeah. I don't even remember Gen 3's um, 
content's name, but I didn't like that. I didn't really like that. And then I, I skipped on Gen 4 because I didn't have a, a 3DS. And I, I got Gen 5 eventually. But Gen mm-hmm. 6 is really where I came back. And I played X and Y. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I really enjoy this. I like the Mega Evolutions. And then they keep adding new stuff. Like, I thought the um, like the, like the giant-sized thing in Sword and Shield was really stupid. Gigantamax? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. I hate Gigantamax. Dude. Well, I think it's so dumb. At, le- at least, like, the Mega Evolutions, I'm like, okay, this is, like, a different interpretation of this character. Gigantamax is, like, literally just, like, what if they were ten stories tall? Yeah, it's really stupid. And But, the, like, I like the experimentation there because, like, I've never done, like, a raid battle in that game just because I'm, like, not far enough. And I also, like, I don't really, like, that's just not how I want to do Pokemon. Like, I want to play it for, like, an hour before I go to bed and then just, like hit it again the next night you know like that's how i want to interact with that franchise i don't want to like set a time and and do like a, a destiny style raid right uh, just right. based on like the the videos i've seen just like trying to figure out what it was about and i like that that's like now an option but i d- agree that it's like oh man did you have to do it this way like yeah the idea is rad the execution itself leaves me a little a little empty about it well, we'll probably, we're going to talk about Pokemon when we talk with the Direct here a little later. Have you played anything else this week? I finally beat Immortals uh, Phoenix Rising. Oh, how was that? Yeah, I love that game. I think that game's great. Uh, the Platinum itself is so annoying. I'm going forward right now, and I'm like kind of miserable, but I really just want that space back on my hard drive. What What's so annoying about the Platinum? You basically have to do everything in the game, but you have to do it in a particular order. So you, there's like this thing called a heroic task board, and it's just like basically challenging you to do everything in the game, but you can't see all the tasks at once. So you can't just like cash in what you've done. You have to unlock it in a particular order. And mm-hmm. usually it's like good enough where it's like, oh, you beat this. Oh, I already beat the next one. I can immediately do it. But it's just like frustrating that like, oh, well, that thing I needed to do was right next to the thing I just did. If I had known that I needed to do that in addition, I would have just done it while I was there. So it's just a lot of backtracking. And the one thing I don't like about the game is you can only level up in one place called the, the Hall of the Gods. So you get these coins, which you can invest in your powers, but you can't just like pop open the menu. Like as soon as you get the coins needed to invest in yourself as a, a character and like your moveset, you have to travel back to your main base to actually do it, hmm. which I it, it's not a problem because the game loads super fast. I've noticed coming in and out of like rest mode on PlayStation 5, the game gets choppier the more times I like rest before turning it off and then starting it fresh. Uh, but besides that, there's been like no technical issues, but like it's just it's it's just kind of annoying. A um, couple of frame rate drops after coming in from rest mode. Uh, I don't like that you beat the you beat the story and then you can't go back. You can only start a new game. So you have to like load up a save from before you beat the game to like finish the trophy list. And it's just annoying. like, well, it's just like you've done this with every other Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. Like, well, how, how could you not just like figure out a way to make it? you know narratively makes sense that you'd still be here after beating the final boss but I'm, I'm only dumping on the game right now i really really enjoyed it and i would much i'm really glad i played that instead of valhalla i was a little burnt out on assassin's creed this was familiar enough to assassin's creed but different enough where i didn't feel like i was just doing more of the same thing i actually it's funny you say that because i just bought odyssey again uh like three days ago pc um and what'd you say uh for pc no, no, no! I bought it for PS4, because um, that's where I like to play my RPGs. Really, is on mm-hmm. on PS4. But I was just gonna get the DLC because I, I was I was reading about Atlantis and some of the theories behind Atlantis, and 
and what it may have been and, and you know, why this, this one uh, Homer who hadn't been known to like, to, you know, lie about things, wrote mm-hmm. about Atlantis. Um, and was it Homer that wrote about Atlantis? And that, see, now, now I'm Plato. It was Plato that wrote about Atlantis. Okay. Um, and he wasn't known to like. Lie. <laughs> lie, like, yeah. Embellish, yeah. Yeah, embellish. But he wrote about Atlantis. And I was like reading all these like theories about it and like what it may have been and stuff. And I was like, oh man, that's pretty cool. And then I remembered that Assassin's Creed Odyssey had Atlantis DLC. It did, yeah. Like, oh, I bet that's pretty sweet. So I went to look at it in the PlayStation Store, and to get the DLC was the same price as to get the game digitally with the DLC. So I just I bought the game again, even though I have it physically. So oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what else have you been up to this week? Um, I've been messing around. I I found my old Game Boy Color, like the one I had from middle school, mm-hmm. and the sound in it was just awful. Uh, and so I, I found like a tri-wing screwdriver, was able to undo that. And I actually just like looked inside a Game Boy and like, I'm not a super technical person. Like I'm not very good at, um, engineering or like electrical or anything like that, but like, I, I want to improve. And Mm -hmm. so I looked at it and like the speaker was super rusted. So I ordered a new one and I used a soldering kit for the first time to like take off the old speaker and put the new one on. And the sound was a little bit better, but still not great. And I was doing research and it turns out that the screen and the speaker are powered by these things called capacitors. And these capacitors that were put into the Game Boy Color generally have a shelf life of like 25 to 30 years. So it's about that time to replace it. And so I ordered some of those. They should be getting in in like a week, but it's just been like fun just like messing around with it. And I'm just so happy that like I still have my original Game Boy Color and I'm basically like refurbishing it from the inside out. And I also I ordered like a Game Boy Advance and a new shell and like a rechargeable battery for it and like a new backlit screen. And like, I'm just excited to like actually like build something like I don't have the the mental capacity to like build a PC. Like I still find that super intimidating. But just the idea of like actually building the device you get to play games on. I like kind of get it now, even with just like my minimal involvement. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so much fun, man. Like, it's just really cool. Yeah, um, I I started modding stuff when I was, I think in middle school, and I I really fell in love with it. Uh, but I think yeah, I think Game Boy is like a really good place to start because it's pretty it's pretty basic. You can you can kind of like work with it and get your hands dirty in there a little bit and not really screw too much up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm I've sure worked. there's like a ton of tutorials online. And what oh, there's so it's so helpful. Yeah, there there are, and like I have like an extra original Xbox. And like, I'm thinking like, oh, like the power source is like a little weird. Like it, it turns off sometimes. And like after, like, I, I don't mean to sound like cocky or arrogant or anything. Like, I still don't think I'm like particularly gifted with this, but I at least like have enough confidence to think like, oh, if I do enough research, if I watch enough videos, if I'm like patient and like slow enough, like I could realistically fix this Xbox and like maybe I'll put a hard drive in. Maybe I'll fix like the disk drive and you know, I'm sure it's just rubber bands that are faulty, but like there's just like things I can do. And I'm like, man, I would love to like do this, maybe order like a custom shell for like that Xbox. And I'm just mm-hmm. I'm really excited by the possibilities. I still don't think I'll ever build a PC, but this is really it's been a lot of fun to just mess around with. One of the coolest things people do to the game boys i think is they put a backlit screen yeah and then you because like the game boy is always like notoriously annoying for not being able to see it in the dark so dark yeah yeah and they remember they used to come those little worm lights you could plug into them and then yeah and that 
And that just ate half your battery. Yeah. Yeah. It made a huge <laughs> glare on your screen because the screen was um, super reflective. reflective. Yeah. yeah. Never really worked right. But yeah, man, um, that's awesome to hear that. I'm glad you're getting into that because like I know a lot of people really, really like modding their Game Boy and their Game Boy colors and stuff. And I never personally got into that. I was more into like my uh, PSP. I modded the crap out of my PSP back in the day. And and that required that required a little bit more like technical like soft modding and um, I was able to play uh, PS one games on my PSP and, and N sixty four games a little bit depending on the, you know the game and that was pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've thought about doing that with my Vita, but like I'm just like oh man, it's like my only Vita. Like I, I don't know if yeah. I like have have the heart to do that to something that's like so hard to find now and meant so much to me. Yeah. You know? Um. One of one of our longtime, longtime viewers and friends, Alden Townsend, he actually just sent me a Vita TV. And you, you can't find those things anywhere anymore. And I've wanted yeah. one so bad because you can play PS1 games on them. And uh, it's really like the best way to play PS1 games now is on the Vita TV. If you, unless you have a PlayStation Classic. But um, the Vita TV, because you got your PlayStation Classics on the PS3 library, which they never brought over mm-hmm. for some godforsaken reason. I've uh, I've like moved around a bunch in the past like 10 years, like since like college, basically, like every like couple years, I'll just move to a new city. But I lived in San Francisco the longest in like one place. And so to me, that makes me feel like, oh, that's like super recent. Like, that's the place I just moved from, you know, like that. that's yeah, that was I was just there. Like, it wasn't that long ago. And I keep remembering, like, just seeing PlayStation Vita TVs like in Target when I first got to San Francisco. But then mm-hmm. like slowly realizing, like, no, that was that was 2015. Like, that was a, that was a long time ago. <laughs> And for a while, you could get them like as cheap as fifty bucks. I got it. Yeah, I got one for forty bucks off of yeah. like some some dude on Facebook Marketplace. Like he was just like, "Oh yeah, I miss I misunderstood what my son wanted. I bought this. So I'm just trying to sell it back." I'm like, "All right, yeah, I'll take it." And I had no idea that they were like rare or valuable at that point. Um, so I'm very happy that I just like pulled the trigger on that. Well, yeah, because they weren't they weren't rare or valuable when they were that cheap. And then people bought them all, and then Sony didn't make it anymore because you know the Vita was such a failure. Right. Um. But did you, do you subscribe to the theory that the Vita TV was like the leftover Vita 1.0 parts that they that they sent out? I've never heard that, but it makes perfect sense. Like if the if it's already made, why wouldn't you? You know. So yeah, so the Vita 1.0 had that port on the top, right? That no one ever figured out what it was for, but they always theorized it was a display port, so you could hook your Vita to the TV, and they never and Sony never activated it. But then. When the Vita 1.0 got hacked and like broken open, broken wide open, Sony created the Vita 2.0 to prevent another um, situation like the PSP, where people were pirating games left and right. So then they, the theory is that they had all these leftover Vita 1.0 like motherboards and whatnot, and they was just kind of like, well, screw it, let's put it in a box and send it out so you can put it to your TV and call it the Vita TV. That's that's super weird to me because I. I haven't done that much research on this. So like, this is just me like theorizing, but like no one I knew who had a PSP hacked it to like play a brand new PSP game, you know? Oh, really? Well, no one was just like, Oh, I just want to hack it so I can play like birth by sleep. The day it comes out for free. Everyone I knew with a PSP hacked it so they could play like super Mario brothers or like Pokemon Emerald. Like they just wanted like an all in one inclusive gaming device. And so I, I, I guess I don't really understand why Sony was so concerned with piracy. And like, I understand they probably got pressure from developers who like were having their games hacked and like were having their games illegally distributed. And so I understand that. But at the same time, like if you're 
making enough money from like actually selling hardware, why couldn't you grease some wheels a little bit to like, you know, turn, turn a blind eye to that and like, you know, pay the publishers like under the table or something just for like, you know, like presumptive losses in, in software sales, but like you're still selling the hardware, you know? See, I 100% pirated games on my PSP. Or oh, my, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it was my PSP. I didn't do it on my Vita because I had money. I like when I was like, I, I mean, I was like 14. I didn't know the rep- repercussions of pirating things. I didn't really care. All I knew is I didn't have any money and mm. I wanted to play video games, you know? Sure. So I, like, I, I hacked this thing and I would download stuff the day it came out on my PSP and play it. Okay. And um, I don't think I ever played a whole lot of it because for me, because I used to pirate things on PC when I was younger too. And for me, it kind of took a little bit of the sweetness away of playing video games. It was, it was It's weird when I pirated them because it was like, I'd be like, okay, I can play this, but I didn't earn this almost. It, it was like a very sure. strange yeah. feeling. No, that makes know? sense. Yeah. Well, you like lost the ritual of it, you know, like, yeah, the same thing. Like I like downloading songs or whatever. The only exception I made for pirating stuff was I I did like my junior year studying abroad in England and I left all my comic book subscriptions running at my local shop, like in, in Vermont at the time. And so I would pirate the things that were coming out that I knew for a fact I was paying for. And so like when I went home in December for like Christmas break, drove down to Vermont, picked up like, you know, four months worth of comics, whatever. And then I like deleted the the digital copies I had. So I'm like, well, I got the physical ones. And then like I went back and I just like kept pirating the same comics that I knew I was going to purchase, you know, just because I'm yeah. like, well, I want to stay current because like there's no way I can like go back and like read a year's worth of comics and like catch up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the only exception I ever made. And then like I downloaded songs in like third grade, but like you're totally right. Like the the ritual of it was gone. Like, you know, just like the excitement of like buying a CD and like putting it in your stereo or something. Yeah. Was, like just not the same as as just getting one song offline where like that. It was mostly convenience. It wasn't even yeah. like the money or the romance of it. It was absolutely convenience. Like, well, I just want this one song. And studies have shown that a lot of piracy is driven out by convenience. Like, I guess like piracy dropped off massively when Netflix and Amazon and, and stuff became huge because all of a sudden it was just easy to get. Yeah you know movies and stuff digitally so that's funny i wonder if it's gonna go back up again just because of like all this like compartmentalization of like all the, i would imagine all the streaming services like i would imagine people just don't understand it's like no netflix got really popular they're like oh we should copy that model it's like well no that model got popular because like it had cbs shows and nbc shows and old movies and like now all everyone is just like just redoing cable basically at this point yep. it's like yeah, we put up with cable because like we got a whole bunch of stuff for like 70 bucks. But if you're if there's going to be like 15 different streaming services and they're all 12.99 a month, like guess what? Like someone's going to lose. Like someone has yeah. to lose. And it's going to be it's going to be the guys no one cares about like NBC and Peacock. Well, that's um, the thing. Yeah, and like all their new stuff, I'm like I would watch that if it were on Hulu, you know? <laughs> like yeah, Exactly. But I'm not going to pay an extra 12.99 15 bucks a month. Like as soon as they announced Peacock, I immediately bought Parks and Rec and The Office on DVD. And 30 yep. Rock. And I'm like, all right, that's like really all I care about from NBC. Like, that's all I've ever watched from them on on Hulu and, and Netflix and stuff. So I'm good. Like, I just future proofed myself from spending 15 bucks a month. Um, I have been playing <laughs> Final <Sorry>. Fantasy. <laughs> no, you're fine, dude. We, it's, just, it's just us two this week. We're just, you know, just chilling, having a little chat. Um, 
I have been playing Final Fantasy XIV, uh, you know, like like always this mm-hmm. week, and I'm playing Trails of Cold Steel Two. I finally went back to the Trails of Cold Steel series, and man, let me, let me tell you what; those games are so good. They, Trails of Cold Steel might be the best game series. I can't recommend people jump into. <laughs> so you were playing four last week, right, or the week before? Like you were playing four no. recently? No, nope, I was. I've never. Were you playing a different Trails of Cold Steel game? No. So you've only been playing two that you've talked about on this podcast. I mean, uh, maybe Elijah was playing Trials of Cold Steel. Maybe. Sorry. It's just. I don't know the, if he the, plays the, it or the, not. The games just seem like so confusing and like intimidating from an outside perspective. Because like they're just all. I, I'm guessing 300 hour long RPGs, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine Elijah's playing Trails of Cold Steel because it, it is too much of a time investment, it seems, for him to get through. Because mm-hmm. they are about 100 hours each. And here's and they, here's the thing, you can't skip through them. You have to play them in order because it's, it's okay. one continuous story. Um, it's like seasons of a show almost. And here's the thing, is everyone rants about how good it is. No one talks about how much of a slog the first one is. It's, it, it is the reason I don't recommend it for anybody. Because it is, if you rush through it, 80 hours of world building and exposition and a snail's pace, man. But the last two hours are a real banger. <laughs> and and that, that, that energy continues all the way through two. And apparently three and four, I haven't gotten there yet. But apparently the, it just keeps ramping up and up and up. But you have to get through the first one. And in my opinion, it's like, man, you're... Like, like I, I would recommend it to an RPG fan if I was like, man, they, they can definitely get through it. But the only reason I did it was because my buddy Pedro did it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to let Pedro show me up. So I'll sit here and <laughs> pull like six all nighters in a row to get through this game. And I did. And I hated it. I, I absolutely hated that game. But I love the second one. You talk about Pedro so much, but I've never like had even like an online interaction with the dude like at at this point i'm just assuming like you have like a mole on your shoulder named pedro (laughs) or like no he's like your tyler durden you know (laughs) just a just a backup personality living living in the dark recesses of a beautiful mind (laughs) it's so funny because his name is pedro and he's actually puerto rican so people think i'm being like a complete jerk and being super racist because Pedro is such a stereotypical name, right. <laughs> you know, so like I, my, our other buddy, Robert, I, I was talking about Pedro all the time. And then like I, intro- I introduced those two and he's like, oh, your name's actually Pedro. He's like, I was concerned. I thought Seth was just being like super racist this whole time. And I was like, yo, <laughs> yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell? You know, like, like, no, his name's actually Pedro. And, uh, but yeah, me and her are both super big RPG fans. We actually met because we worked together at a video game store um, a long, long way back. But yeah, he, he got me to the Trails of Cold Steel franchise and then he kept going and I dropped out and I played Final Fantasy 14 and now he's playing through Final Fantasy 14. Oh, this is a, this is the greatest thing. He, one of the greatest things he's ever told me was like because me and him lived together for about a year last year and uh me, Pedro, and the guy I was talking about before, Robert, all lived together, and that's when I was playing through Final Fantasy fourteen. And he was like, "Yeah, man, th- th- those were dark days. You were really depressed playing through this, huh?" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, you were just sitting in in, in the living room playing this like nonstop for like like uh, two months straight." And I was like, "Yeah, but I wasn't depressed." He goes, 
Oh, me and Robert thought you were depressed. That's what you were doing. I was like, no. I was, quite the contrary. I was having the time of my life. I was, I was having a blast. He goes, oh, I guess that's good to hear. It's like, yeah. I was so obsessed with that game because I finally went back and got caught up in the story. And it was like, yeah, it was like it was like 300 hours I had to catch up on. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really jealous of that, man. Like, I, ne- I never had that. I had a roommate freshman and sophomore year of college. And then I lived by myself after that. And like, I, after that, I, I just lived like with my, uh, like longtime partner and uh I, I just i never had like you know that summer of just like dicking around in an apartment with like four other dudes and just like yeah you know just oh crap halo guys like we're doing halo tonight or like you know borderlands 2 came out when i was in college like i, I know for a fact like i would have convinced everyone or tried to convince everyone like no we gotta mess around with this tonight so i'm, I'm jealous you had that uh that little camaraderie just going yeah, on. Yeah, it was you know, it was really funny because um, Kingdom Hearts 3 came out right when we all moved in together. And our one buddy, Robert, is like a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. And that game was so disappointing that like he played it, I think, the first two nights. And then he packed it up. And I didn't see Robert play a video game again for like three years. <laughs> it just broke him. <laughs> yeah, it really did, dude. Because like, I swear to God. He did not play a single video game until like World of Warcraft again, like like two months ago. And I just talked to him. He's like, "Yeah, I'm playing games again." By the way, <laughs> it's like, "Oh wow!" I'm back on the wagon, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because Kingdom Hearts three was so bad, man. I'm telling you, like, I don't recommend anybody play Kingdom Hearts. Like, Kingdom Hearts is the war- the the most I've ever been betrayed in a video game series. It really hurt me. <laughs> All right. I mean, I was, I, I've been wanting to check them out. I always say, like, I want to check out all these games. There's just not enough time in the day, you know? It's true. Yeah, there there really isn't, especially if you want to go back and catch up. Although, right now is a good time to do that. There's really not a whole lot coming out right now. Yeah. I know, like, last February, at the beginning of the month, I wanted to, like, say, I said, like, oh, at the beginning of every month, we're going to read, uh, like, the, the major game uh, releases for the coming month. I personally didn't like doing that, so I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, but <laughs> so, so I'm I'm canceling my own column at uh, at Frame Skip. But you're totally right. Like, there's like absolutely nothing to play, which is like honestly kind of nice. Yeah. And like, I only ever had the launch PlayStation Four, so like the PlayStation Five. The fact that it's just like there's a couple PlayStation Five games I want to play, but it just makes every PlayStation Four game I haven't played yet better. Like, I'm just I'm, yeah, I'm so in love with that. Like, it's it's so great that I'm like. I actually have the time to catch up on things I missed. Hell yeah, dude. All right, well, let's jump into our topics this week since we're, you know, 42 minutes in. Austin probably wants to die at this point. Um, no, he wanted to die after the, the extended talk about sports at the beginning. And then <laughs> he's us, like, ta- oh, us, us talking about Anchorman for eight minutes. I think that was the, yeah. the last straw. He just like he just like rendered it at that point. He's like, whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> it's probably fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just you guys who are notorious for speaking explosives during the podcast. <laughs> I've taken notes. Like I, I think I said a word under my breath. We'll see if Austin heard it. I've got your yeah. timestamps for for your potty mouth. It's gonna be it's gonna be it's just a real cinch for him to cut those out. Snip snip. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, yeah, let's talk about this Pokemon Direct that happened because we, we alluded to it earlier. So let's bang this out. What did you think of this Pokemon Direct? It's amazing to me how much more Pokemon cares about its history than Nintendo does at this point. Oh, my God, you're so right. <laughs> and so like that opening video was like super long, but it was just like a rundown of every major milestone Pokemon as a franchise has hit. 
and I could see why some people would like find that annoying because it was like way more like educational than I think uh, it could have been. But like, I just I honestly loved it. Like, I loved reliving like, oh, yeah, I remember when that came out. It's like there was a mobile phone adapter for Game Boy Color in Japan. God, that's wild. Like, it was just so cool. Just like running through the history and like remembering like, oh, yeah, then Platinum came out. That was when I finally bought a DS so I could play Platinum and then. X and Y. I remember buying that launch day. Like it was just so cool, like reliving that history. And they put more effort into that than Nintendo did for Mario last year. Than they are realistically going to put into Zelda this year. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really well made too. Like it was just like pretty, like just a single shot. Everything happening like directly in front of the camera. Everything in focus. And it, it felt like the Astrobot Museum from like that PlayStation Five game. Like it was just a celebration of where we've been. And so I really like I thought that was a strong opening. And then they announced uh, was it Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which are remakes of Diamond and Pearl, the Sinnoh region games. I don't really like those games that much. <laughs> um, I really like Platinum, but like Diamond and Pearl themselves are like really like like you said with uh, Trails of Gold School, just kind of a kind of a slog. Um, yeah, I, I really I that, I know that's Austin's favorite generation because it's his first one. So I wish he was kind of here to talk about it. But those those are the games that I've never had any interest in playing. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to grab them. I, I'm really sort of confused because. So like, let's go Pikachu, let's go Eevee. Those were like remakes of Gen 1, but they were in like a completely new style. Like this just looks like a port, basically like a shinier port. And like I know they're the the models are 3D in a way that they couldn't really be on DS. And so like that's exciting. But then like the overworld, I guess I wish it looked like I, I wish it had a more distinct art style, like the way like Link's Awakening did on Switch. But I know that that is like a much smaller game than these Pokemon games. Like I don't know if that is like a, a technical hiccup for them or like uh, just too much work that they're willing to put into it. I'm still right. gonna grab them, but like I, I just I wish they put. Like, I wish they made like a different spin on it as opposed to me just feeling that I'm playing a the prettiest possible version of the DS game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks very underwhelming for like the first real remake I feel like we've gotten for I think it is the first real remake we've gotten for the Switch. So, that when I looked at that, I was like, oh man, really? That's that's all you're giving us. Mm -hmm. So, I was I was kind of disappointed with that as well. Well, especially in like, I don't really understand. I uh, I guess Let's Go was basically like they they made it in two parts. So like, you know, in your head, you felt you felt like one was red, one was blue. But like they were basically both yellow with just like a couple of the restrictions from like blue and red, just in terms of like which monsters were available in, in the game. Right, right. And so I'm guessing this is going to be the same thing. But it's also like, oh, man, like, why, why didn't you just do platinum? Like platinum was dope. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, I'm looking at I'm looking at the the remake right now, and it's just kind of not really something I'm interested in. <laughs> also, man, they're missing like one of the coolest features about that game too, which was on the DS Lite, you could like plug in the previous generation of games, like the Emerald, Ruby, Sapphire, Leaf Green, Fire Red, like every GBA game. You could slot it into the GBA port on the bottom of the DS and basically go to like a, a Safari Zone where you can import oh, yeah, six Pokemon that. at a time and just like, you know, bring them from that generation onto like the DS. And so like, that was like such a cool feature. And I, I guess I don't really understand what the equivalency would be in this game, but like, I don't know. I hope there's some surprises in the game about like 
sort of bringing more Pokemon just like to Switch, like to live there. You know, I, I hope that's mm-hmm. a thing that's discussed. Uh, they also announced uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Which did you catch that trailer? I did. I did. I watched that trailer and I'm actually watching it again right now as we speak. Um, in my opinion, very Breath of the Wild like. Yeah. And gorgeous. I'm extremely skeptical because I don't I love the way the animations look. I love the way the world looks. I don't like the way the battle system looks. I agree. And they did not they did not focus on that, which which concerns me quite a lot. This has no rumor other than my suggestion right now. I think this is the game they originally wanted to make. And they were like, oh, it's going to take a little bit longer than we thought. All right, get get some other studio to like port up this game, because like I don't understand why you'd set both games in the Sinnoh region. You know, well, so which which one's Game Freak making? Game Freak is making Pokemon Arceus. Okay, I, be- I believe. And then it's like some other developer who made Pokemon Home is porting basically or sorry, porting is probably the wrong word, but uh, remaking uh, D- Shining Diamond, Brilliant Pearl or Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, whatever. And like someone from Game Freak is like overseeing production of that game, but like another studio is making it. And so like this feels like the game that they want to make and like they wanted to make for the anniversary. But mm-hmm. it's just like taking too long. And like, I I don't fault them. Like COVID probably messed up everyone's plans, you know, <laughs> like not not yeah. just not just people, but like just huge businesses, too. Um, And so I think that's it. The one thing that makes me skeptical besides the battle system is like all the Pokemon Coliseum games like XD Gale of Darkness. And then like, I think it was Pokemon Coliseum three, I think was or probably just Pokemon Coliseum like on GameCube. Like, those were Pokemon games, but they were, like, just different enough. Like, they seemed so afraid to make, like, a big, open 3D Pokemon game. Right. And the fact that this one's called Pokemon Legends Arceus, as opposed to just being, like, a Pokemon game, you know? So it's like, this isn't a Pokemon game. This is, like, a spin-off Pokemon title. So, like, that makes me, personally, like, a little hesitant and skeptical about how much I'm going to enjoy it. That said, it's awesome that it's like set in like the feudal times of this region. And it's it's not about completing the Pokedex. It's about building the Pokedex. Like, I think that's really cool and really exciting. Yeah, I think it's cool, too. I like the way you sneak up on Pokemon. Like, you actually have to sneak and catch them with like a a Pokeball out in the wild. I think that's really, really cool. You have to aim the Pokeball. Like I said, though, that 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 one scene of like the Pokemon battling, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like the way that looks. Like, how does that control? How do they, how do you do that? You know, because that's going to make all the difference in the world. If it's not simple, if it's not fun, then I don't think the game's going to be fun. Also, I don't know if you notice this. The frame rate is terrible in that. Yeah. That yeah, I, I did notice that. It was not great. And Nintendo's oh. Nintendo's super weird as a company because like Skyward Sword. Or maybe it was Twilight Princess, like one of the Zelda games on Wii basically had a controller map on screen at all times. You know, yeah. like it just showed like a silhouette of like the Wiimote and like all the buttons you could do basically and like hit block like it was just stuff like that and then this game comes out with no UI and like Breath of the Wild I don't think had too much of like a HUD or like a UI interface like while you're actually playing the game 
or anything yeah. or fun. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah, or fun. Yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, but it was like the stamina bar would pop up when you were using like the paraglider or whatever. And so yeah. like, I don't know if this is just like super early in development or like they just wanted to show something like they just wanted to polish something up that was presentable or if there is going to be a UI or any kind of uh, like heads up display just to like let you know how to do things. But I, I think you're totally right. I think it is like very Breath of the Wild influenced. Um, yeah. But I again, like just because like the the title change, like I don't think this is a mainline Pokemon game whatsoever. But I tell you what. It'd be pretty sweet if this is what Pokemon looked like from now on. Yeah. You know, I just, for some reason, man, I, I, I will be very shocked if Game Freak is the studio that pulls off what they're showing. And they, like, this isn't like a super small scope game with a super limited amount of Pokemon in it because that was their whole thing with Sword and Shield was like, oh, we we couldn't add more Pokemon in because that would have taken extra time or something like that. There was too many resources. So that, that that was their excuse for not adding in Pokemon to Sword and Shield, which was basically a copy and paste of the 3DS games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I don't know how much I believe in this Arceus game. But I'll tell you what, I, if if it's if it turns out as good as it looks from the trailers, I'm in. I just I want to see more of it. I want to see people playing it. I want to see gameplay. And I'll form an opinion from that point. I know you've been on the fence about getting like a switch because you sold your your switch, right? Yeah, I did sell my old switch. Yeah. What um, is the lowest really possible? Sc- what is like the? I know like review scores aren't what matters about a review, but I guess what's the lowest possible review score this game could get where you'd still consider buying a switch for it? Like how? Like how compelled are you to get? So like, like how- if, if if this is the game that I'm buying a switch for what's what's the lowest score that I would buy it for it? Yeah, like, how much would you have to convince yourself that, like, uh, this, this is averaging a 6.8 on Metacritic? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like a lot of games that are generally around 7 anyway. Like, okay, this is, like, I'm pulling the trigger. Like, like what is, what, what's your breaking point that would... So, uh, this, is, this is actually an interesting question, because I don't think I would... I wouldn't buy a console just for this Pokemon game, but... This is why this question's interesting. Nintendo gets such a free handout when it comes to review scores. I don't think I would buy a Switch for this game unless it was lower than a 9. Really? It'd have to be lower than a 9 for yeah. you to consider buying? Oh, that's interesting. Damn. Because, because, I, because I really truly believe that when it comes to Nintendo, reviewers just give them free handouts when it comes to review scores. And and like I think it's been that way for a long time. And I think Nintendo gets away with a lot of crap that would they would skewer other developers for other publishers. Sure. You know, um, for instance, the Sword and Shield thing, dude. If another publisher or developer did that, they would have been blasted all over the media. But because oh. Nintendo, they get they they get it free. And like, I'm sorry, dude. Scott, well, Breath of the Wild came out the same year as Horizon Zero Dawn. Did not deserve any awards over Horizon. Well, that I still think Skyrim is like better than Zelda. Like, I I think it's just like oh, yeah. more. I I just think Breath of the Wild is like the most annoying form of Skyrim. You know, like can you imagine playing oh, Skyrim yeah. and, and like your mace breaks after eight swings with it. Well, imagine playing Skyrim and there's this giant open world with nothing in it. Yeah, that, that's a good point too. It's like <laughs> and oh, no man. music. 
It's just like, oh, everything was destroyed 100 years ago. It's like, well, maybe you should have set the game during then because it sounds like there was a little bit more going on. Yeah, um, there's there's four towns. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I know I know everyone who listens to this and everyone else who's normally on this show loves Breath of the Wild, but uh, you're not here right now. So that I will sucks. die yeah. on this hill. That Breath of the Wild sucks. Yeah, I don't I don't particularly care for it either. Uh that is, I, I was just being a jackass when I asked the question. I'm really glad that you actually <laughs> like, like took it seriously and you're like, oh, that's interesting because I'm exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah, framing because, it that way. Because, yeah, because I really do think that, that Nintendo gets a real, a lot of leeway when it comes to reviews. No, they abs- I, th- I think they absolutely do. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why, but... Uh, the, they're the, they're the Pixar of, of games, you know, and True. it's like even like the worst Nintendo game is still better than a lot of other games. But at the same time, it's like I know what you guys can do. So like this one just feels like you, you kind of phoned it in or like a little like paint by numbers, you know. Right, right. And especially Pokemon games, I think really like what do you think the worst Pokemon game is? Mainline Pokemon game. I haven't played much of Black and I never played black or white too so I, I i straight up don't know those so i'm disqualifying those just because i don't know enough to talk about them i'd say probably diamond and pearl i really dislike and i'm not the biggest fan of ruby or sapphire either gold silver crystal i think is like probably my favorite personally oh uh, they're, they're my favorite too so i'm, yeah. I'm not counting I'm not counting mainline game, or I'm not counting spinoffs. I just want to see the lowest rated, oh my god, the lowest rated Pokemon game that is well, not probably a spinoff Al- on Metacritic is Alpha Sapphire Omega Ruby, Fire Red, Fire Red, really? Yep. God, that's that sucks. I I love that one. <laughs> that's yeah, me too. It's one of my favorites. Well, it's just like, hey, what if this game looked like a super, like, what if the Pokemon game looked like a Super Nintendo game? It's like, yeah, man, sign me up. That sounds dope. I mean, yep. yeah. Yep, that was, that. I think, if I'm reading this correctly, that is the lowest rated mainline Pokemon game. That's pretty shocking. I would have assumed, I the reason I didn't buy black or white wasn't because, like, I thought it looked dumb. It was because I just didn't like the art style. Like, I thought, like, the, the pseudo 3D they were doing on the DS, like, just straight up looked bad. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, so Pokemon White and Black both have eights. Pokemon Shield has an eight, and Sword has an eight. And I think... Oh, Emerald has a 76. That's weird. I don't really like that. I don't like that generation very much, to be honest. No, I don't think many people do. Okay, so Emerald is the lowest rated mainline Pokemon game with a 76 which is very strange because ruby and sapphire are higher than that much higher but well i think because emerald was just so much of the same from those where it's just like oh you're basically just buying the same game with five percent difference like i I don't think it was like build is like an expansion you know like the way the third game usually is but like it wasn't that different but like platinum was such an improvement over diamond and pearl that like that that's why i think that one's like really highly regarded so none of the pokemon games have cracked the 90s but I guess I wasn't really thinking of Metacritic. I was just trying to see like the overall. I would say if we're talking Metacritic scores, probably the lowest I would go is like a eighty on yeah. Metacritic, because like that—that's that, eighty to ninety is generally where all the they all sit. 
which is which fun. I think I feel, is ridiculous. I feel like I'm more likely to play 80 games, like games ranked in the 80s, just because it's like, oh, it's a 10. Like, oh, well, that's great. It's always going to be great. I'll hit that up some other time then. But like in 80, I'm like, well, that's weird. Like given like the pedigree of who's making it and like everything I've seen, I'm like, that game should by all accounts be awesome. And like that, you makes know me what I've more, come to the conclusion of recently? Way more interested in. Sorry, check it out. Oh no, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, um, what hit me? What's up? I don't like Naughty Dog games. Yeah, I don't either. To be honest, I I've come to, I came to I was taking a walk to the gas station to get a drink the other day, and I was thinking about the Naughty Dog. I think someone I think someone's saw I saw like a Twitter comment about The Last of Us too, and then, you know that that still gets controversy every single day. Every people talking about it. And I was like, I had no desire to play The Last of Us 2, even when it was announced. And I was like, did I, when was the last time I actually enjoyed a Naughty Dog game? And I was like, Uncharted 2. And I'm like, when, when before that? And I was like, uh, Jack and Daxter? Jack 2? And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I like, like, I'm not into the new Naughty Dog games. Like, I, I didn't enjoy Uncharted 1. I thought Uncharted 3 was a letdown. I thought Uncharted 4 was a letdown. I really didn't enjoy The Last of Us. And I didn't play The Last of Us 2 because I wasn't hyped at all for it. And I think I'm just, it's time for me to just accept the fact, like, maybe I just don't like Naughty Dog games. No, and I think that's totally fair. Like, I think the way they emphasize storytelling in their games, like, nothing about gameplay is necessary for their stories to be good. You know, like, yeah, I I feel like I have to play through uncharted which i think is like just a generic third person cover shooter like i don't think it it doesn't feel particularly good to shoot things in that game but like i force myself to play it because like i i do like drake i do like sully i do like the characters in that game like i think the villains are historically bad but um but i want to i like i just like seeing those characters interact so like i want to keep playing the game but i don't like playing the game as much as i just like seeing the game if that makes well sense. The, the thing that I find, especially when it comes to Uncharted, now Last of Us, I don't think had this problem, but when it comes to Uncharted 3 and especially 4, was I just felt exhausted playing those games because they have no downtime. And yeah. those breaks are so important for storytelling because it gives your characters a break. And in, in Uncharted 3 and 4, it's just like constant go, 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 go. And you, know, you, you don't get that sit around the campfire moment with Drake and his, his companions or to just be like, okay, like, Let's build some character here. You know, it's just constant action. Push, push the envelope. Push the story forward as fast and hard as possible. And it's like, man. By the end of that, I was just like, when is this going to end? Well, that's. I mean, I agree. That's always my favorite part of the Uncharted games. It's like when it's like you and Sully like going through the house in Uncharted Three, and it's like you guys just like puzzle solving. You know, like that. Yeah. I think that's really enjoyable, and that's like something I really noticed with Immortals: Phoenix Rising. Not to get too off topic, but it's just. The amount of things in that world that have nothing to do with combat is really cool. Like the amount of puzzles and places to explore and platforming and all this stuff. I, I really, really appreciate how not everything revolves around just swinging your sword or your axe in that game. Yeah, I got to get that eventually because I keep seeing that name pop up all over the place. And it just, it's it good. Go it's uh, it's good. It's also it's going to be like 20 bucks or a PlayStation Plus game soon enough. Yeah, I, that's fair. I, it's got got those vibes. So I don't think it's anything you need to rush into. Um, we have another topic. Do you want to just like briefly go over it? Yeah, I wanted to talk about this uh, real quick before we wrap up the show. Anthem Next uh, it got canceled from Bioware. And I, I, could, I could do a whole podcast about the current state of Bioware because I think they're probably not long for this world um, and how it's completely different than the Bioware we know and love. But 
they canceled Anthem Next, and I gotta say, I'm a little relieved they did. I don't know how you're feeling about this, but it seems like, for me personally, this might be the beginning of the end of the constant games as a service thing, because like these games are starting to fail left and right. Yeah, um, I thought the same thing. Like as soon as they canceled that, I was just like, oh man, like I give them six months before like you know they're shuttered or folded into other EA studios or they're rebranded as different EA studios. And yeah. then I, I floated that idea to a friend of mine who um. Uh, works in the industry. I'm not going to name them just out of uh, respect to their privacy. Uh, but they said that they thought that this was actually like a great sign for Bioware because it was them like exercising their own demons and like, you know, trimming the fat about like, all right, well, this isn't working. Like, let's just do stuff that works. And yeah. so it felt, felt like them sort of like shaken off like the business practices that made them do things they clearly weren't equipped to do and didn't seem to have the passion to want to do anyway and like i know that because i platinumed anthem like i spent it was my most played game of last year like i think i had like wow. 100, 140 hours in that game just to like get everything and there was a lot to like about that game but like the parts did not equal the sum and it was just like overall it was just kind of like heartless i think was like the biggest problem with it that's exactly the word i used to describe it i played that um open beta and I was really excited up until that point. I was playing the open beta, and I was like, "Man, this feels like it doesn't, it doesn't have like a soul to it. It's it's like a very generic, like weird thing." But I can, I can say that everything is like plays well when you actually play it. But there's something, there's something missing. Yeah. You know? But yeah, continue. Um, and so like that sort of reframe my my point of view on. I'm like, maybe this is a good thing. Um, I still understand why anthem next was like brought up because like that game was like clearly a huge like resource sink you know and like they spent years developing it i think like hopefully too this means like the end of ea mandating that everything be used on frostbite you know because like it seems like a great engine for certain things but just an absolute nightmare for more particular games and like it got to the point where like even days gone was like made on unreal engine. It's like, okay, like if a Sony, like if a first party studio is dropping the mandate to use, you know, like a first party engine, it's just like, what excuse do you have as a third party developer to like not use something proprietary? If like, I assume they said that like, Oh, this is really difficult to build this using frostbite. There's no way no one didn't mention that given the amount of people that have left Bioware, there's no way that conversation wasn't had, you know? Well, so I think like there's obviously some sort of internal struggle at Bioware that we don't know about because their direction has changed so significantly from what I would say is their last great game, which was Mass Effect 2. And I, I loved Mass Effect 3, but you know, Mass Effect 3 was like, very divisive. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, man, I, there hasn't been a Bioware game that like has been a real standout game. And that's been, what, 10 years? Over yeah. ten years, you know, so it's like, man, you know, Dragon Qua- Dragon Age Inquisition came out, and like, it was good. I had a lot of fun when I played Dragon Age Inquisition, but looking back at it, I'm like, that's pretty. It's a pretty lackluster game. I think I just liked it at the time because it was the first like RPG we had on the PS4 generation. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I had. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, they they really did that that series a lot of disservice with that game too, because they put a lot of the really cool lore quests and whatnot on the war table and the war table was like a easy way to get lore 
or I'm sorry, not, not the lore table, the war table. <laughs> um, it was an easy way to get lore and like story in like a really compressed, compact format without having to actually put it in the game. Like you meet the the character of the first game through the war table. Like that should be a, that should have been a huge moment, but sure. it wasn't. You know. Um, well, that and it was. It, correct me if I'm wrong, because like I haven't played that game since it came out. Um, I played it for probably like ten hours and then bounced just because I'm like, well, I don't really like this, and also I'm not. I never played one or two. Like I tried Dragon Age one, but it just ran like ass on consoles, and so yeah. I just kind of gave up on it. Uh, but the war table is basically like the tie-in game they always put on your phone for EA games back then, where it's just like, would you like to send a strike team out on a mission to see if they're successful? Yes. Check back in seven hours to see if it worked or not. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought it was. And it's just like, why would like this, like, I I guess I understand why it's cool. So it's like, Oh, I'm going to play the game for 10 hours today. Let's just have something be done in the background while that's happening. But it's like, man, yeah, you can't don't like, don't pretend this is like a big narrative pillar of this game when like you yeah. know what you, you know what you did you know <laughs> yeah and then of course andromeda came out and it's like that game was extremely divisive um i i personally wasn't a fan of what i played of it yeah you and i have had words about this i think it's the best playing mass effect game and i don't think it's fair to compare it because we always think of mass effect as a trilogy now and like this game only got one outing you know, like, and so, like, I, I think that I think the only game you can compare it to is Mass Effect One, and it certainly plays better than Mass Effect One. I just don't care about the people nearly as much as I did in Mass Effect One. You know what? I think my, the biggest turnoff for these two games for me is personally though is the companions. Yeah. Because yeah. the companions and romance options were so good up until Dragon Age Inquisition and Bioware games, and then I felt like there was almost no good companions that I liked in Inquisition. Except for like, um, what was his name? The bull, the, the 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 big giant guy. Okay, yeah. I can't remember his name. And Dorian in in Inquisition, they were they were both really cool. And then um, in Andromeda, I can't name a single companion except for your sister. Yeah, you I know? can't. And I'm like, I, I, I'm I like, can't either. Ugh. Or like my brother, because I played as like the female lead in that game. But yeah, yeah. like the the character you didn't choose. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, all right, man. Like, and these were so good. Like, you remember these legendary companions in like Mass Effect, like Liara and Miranda and Solus, you know, like all these like really cool um, companions. And then even in like Dragon Age, you know, like in KOTOR, these were all really, really cool companions that you had in these games. And then you get to like the new games and it's like, oh, all right, I, I guess kind of phone it in here. Does this does this make it more likely that Bioware will be handling a a remake of Kotor now? Since they're can, since they're canceling Anthem next, I don't know. I think I hope what I imagine they'll do is cancel Anthem next and put all their resources into making Dragon Age Four as good as possible. I would hope that's what they're doing. Sure, because the the, the best part about the story was that. Dragon Age 4 went all single player because before it was rumored and almost I think pretty much confirmed that it was going to be a games of service sort of like Anthem was mm-hmm. and then I think now that and this this is what the main part of the topic I wanted to, to bring up was that I think this is the end or the, at least the beginning of the end at, of this games as a service everything has to be games as a service because it very much reminds me of 2013's Tomb Raider which was in my opinion the end of everything has to have multiplayer 
Every single player game has to have multiplayer. And they put it in that in, the, in that Tomb Raider game and no one gave a single crap. And they were like, oh, yeah. that was a mistake. We wasted a lot of money on that. Well, so. that and I remember oh, that came out so close to to uh, Bioshock Infinite. And like Bioshock yeah. had no multiplayer. Bioshock 2 had multiplayer, which I've, I've had friends who played. They're like, yeah, it's not bad. I'm like, yeah, but who who cares, man? Like, that's that's not why anyone wanted. Right that game and then bioshock infinite came out had absolutely no multiplayer whatsoever yeah and it's just like oh yeah you're right like if you make a game that's good enough it can stand on its own it doesn't need this and like i understand the whole uh well multiplayer builds in value you can stick with it over time people are less likely to sell back their game which makes other people less likely to buy it in a way that we don't see any money from it and i really think it's because games are so cheap digitally now but it all it also costs a lot more to run the game and then make the game as well. Like you look at, for instance, Anthem, complete failure. I think we can all agree Anthem yeah. was a huge failure. And then we look at like Avengers, and Avengers really screwed Square Enix last year because Square Enix, by all accounts, had an incredible year with Final Fantasy, and they sold a ton of copies of Final Fantasy, but they still barely i don't even know if they broke even they may have even been the red because of I don't, Avengers. I don't, I don't think they broke even yeah I, th- I think they i think they were in the red and and that really sucks i think i've played the most avengers of anyone at the at the show and i got like halfway through the campaign i was like i need uh, I, I need a break also like i'm moving like i just don't want to like really deal with this right now and i intend to go back but like the single player story is like great. Like it's basically just like a miss marvel like kamala khan game and like if they had just like focused on that that would have been awesome and like that would have like synced up perfectly with like when the show is supposed to be coming out or could they could have made it like when the show is like coming out on disney plus or whatever and like like the, the story is like super high quality it's great but like it just doesn't make sense to have avengers in that sort of mechanical frame like that is what makes the game not fun you know is like right, finding that's what all I've heard. this that's what i've heard finding this armor and materials to equip this new thing to the hulk's punch like it's like no nah, man like honestly just give me <laughs> give me the hulk let me get experience points and let me just like unlock cooler moves like don't don't make me farm materials please i think actually it would have worked if they simplified it down to be like okay now this is like ultimate alliance where like your characters just it's, it's like an rpg your characters are gonna get stronger just like an MMO, right? Like, like an yeah. MMO, like World of Warcraft or something. Yeah, there's an armor system, but it's not like this, like farming, like 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 currency to like trade in for like something else. Like, no, you, you get your levels, your character constantly gets stronger, and you don't have to worry about it. But like, I think one, the other thing that was really hard about Avengers was that like everyone has their favorite Avengers, and you can't have the same Avengers on the same on, on a team. And it's built for multiplayer, and that, yeah. I heard that complaint a lot, you know, because like. Well, it's that. That's why they started like introducing so many skins, and it's just like, okay, so basically you're telling me like you're gonna introduce a second Black Widow s character, or like Mockingbird or something, you know, like from the comics. And it's like, yeah, all right, so she's gonna play ninety five percent the same as as Black Widow does, just because like I want to play that style of character, but there's only one Black Widow, so I'm screwed otherwise, you know. But I just saw like an advert. Did, did Hawkeye just come out for this? He's launching alongside like the PlayStation Five, Xbox Series X, like upgrades. Because like there, Kate Bishop got delayed, right? Yeah, and like she just came out. And then the next character they want to release is is like Hawkeye. Hawkeye. 
uh, a terrible release schedule, bud. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you talking about? Also, yeah, like that, just... that show's supposed to be coming out soon. It's just like, man, you guys probably should have like taken more time on this game, A. And B, yeah. like, I don't know, release it closer to the show? Dude, or, or like or release it sooner like how is there not a single avengers game when like Endgame was coming out like that that's yeah. that's so strange i don't yep, mean to I like agree. belittle these decisions that people with much more education and much more experience than i do have but like man the batman begins game sucks but uh i left the theaters and i was like i want more batman and then i bought a 50 dollar batman begins game because yep. it was available right after I saw the movie, you know, one hundred percent. Like it, 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 you, you, they phone it in, and it works every time. But for yeah. some reason, you're right. There was no Avengers game. I think it's because this was in development for so long. I mean, this game game was in development a really long time. It was like the worst kept secret in the industry for a really long time too. Yeah, but there was a there was a pseudo like MMO Ultimate Alliance action game called Marvel Omega Force that was on PlayStation Four, and that was free to play. And I think that was made by like Bazillion, which was a developer in like San Jose area, like the in the Bay Area in oh, California. Like... And then that game just like that entire studio just went like up and like that game was just like ripped down from the store. I don't think I don't think it was Omega Force. What was that Marvel MMO that came Marvel Legends? I thought it was like Marvel Omega. Marvel Heroes. Marvel Heroes. Yes, that was it. It was Marvel Heroes. It was like a top down Marvel Heroes Omega. It was a top-down, like, okay. isometric. I, I was, I was um, close. I was close. Yeah. That was pretty good. I spent a little bit of time in that game playing it. I, and, did, um, I did, too. And that was, like, you know, it was free. It was mindless. It, like, I would just, yeah. like, you know, come home from work and just, like, de-stress, like, I don't know, smoke some plants and then just, like, play that game. And it was a blast. Yeah. And yeah, also, it was essentially Ultimate Alliance, but an MMO. <laughs> and also, like, I mean, I know the company went under, but, like, Man, it didn't offset like one of the most successful Final Fantasy launches of all time completely like budget-wise. Right, true. <laughs> Absolutely true. But I suppose uh we should wrap this up. We're since we're over an hour here and Austin's having a rough week. He's got to edit this podcast still, but I think it was a good show. Yeah, man, I had a lot of fun. Thanks uh yeah. thanks for letting me talk about my my Godfather comedy theories and I'm sure we'll do a, a movie spinoff in the future. Listeners, let us know if you liked us talking about that because we like talking about it. And I know Seth and I are huge comic book fans, so maybe yep. if uh, if there's any interest, we could do a little a little intimate two person show talking about comics. That'd be fun too. I would love that. Yeah, because I, I have so much to say about the the comic book industry, like so much. I would love it if it was just like hot takes and like we just oh my God. we we just like rip back and forth with our hottest takes and then I have like, absolutely nothing but hot takes in the comic book. I'm I'm well aware and they're most of them are garbage and I can't wait to hear more of them. <laughs> but you know what? I I don't have any hot takes without reasons behind them. That's that my thing. My... Like I I always have like like evidence the reason I feel this way. I respect that about you. I really do. But I need <laughs> I, I need that. I need more than just oh it's bad character development. Like I need, I need to hear like why it was bad character development just in preparation of this eventual comic book show. Just so <laughs> <clear>. okay. <laughs> and I promise I'll try to do the same. I'll try to come out guns blazing, just popping off from the hip. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> it should be good. It should be good because there's new characters that I love. Like I love uh, Spider Gwen. I think Spider Gwen's a great character. Spider Gwen. That was like what got me back. It was like that in the Star Wars comic. Where like what kind of got me back into comics after not buying him for a few years. Yeah, yeah. Spider Gwen's Spider Gwen's great. Uh, Spider Gwen's great. Uh, we, you know, we, we got we got to cut it off before we get too far. We we got we got to slice oh, this podcast off yeah, the neck. 
yeah, we're 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 starting the show right now, basically. So yeah, we, yeah, we we gotta we gotta not get ahead of ourselves. But all right, well, thank you all for listening so much. We hope you enjoyed the episode. This is episode forty-seven. Remember, you can find us on any of the podcatcher apps. Although you already know this because at the end of the episode. But if you are happy with the show, make sure you leave us a good review. We really appreciate it. And remember, make sure to follow us on all our social media. You can follow us on Twitter at FrameSkipPod. I am at set the nineties kid, but don't follow me because I'm not going to follow you back. George is at, <laughs> at GD Loftus. Austin is at Austin J Eller. Um, Coach is at frame skip pod. And Elijah is at local lizard man. And this goes up every Friday. I'm not sure what time, but until next time, guys, take it easy. Still working on an outro. <laughs>